Welcome to the Being Human podcast, brought to you by Relate Malaysia. Join us in our conversations about what makes us human and why we think and behave in the ways that we do. We'll talk about mental health, emotional well-being, and how we can sometimes feel on top of the world. And other times, like life calls for a large tub of ice cream and a big spoon. So come on in, relax, and let's explore this puzzle of being human together. Hello and welcome to this episode of Being Human. My name is Dr. Chua Sukning, and today I'm joined by John C. Markowitz, and we'll be discussing his work on interpersonal psychotherapy. So interpersonal psychotherapy, or IPT for short, is a brief attachment-focused psychotherapy based on the principle that relationships and life events impact how we are doing psychologically, our well-being. IPT has been shown to be an effective treatment for depression and has also been used to treat other mental health conditions uh, such as eating disorders as well as substance abuse. So John is a professor of clinical psychiatry at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons and a researcher at the New York State Psychiatric Institute. In a career spanning several decades, he has conducted research on psychotherapies and medications, as well as treatments for mood disorders, such as major depressive disorder and dysthymia. John is widely known and respected for his work in IPT and was trained by his pioneer, Dr. Gerald L. Clerman. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine, considering the circumstances in, in the U.S. these days. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's, it's pretty crazy in New York right now. And I do hope that you are, yeah, as we talked about earlier, you're surviving. You're surviving well. And, mm -hmm. and so um, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to do this. Uh, to start us off with, I was wondering whether you could explain uh, to our audience, what is IPT? Okay, well, uh, Suk, I think you, you actually gave a very good description. It's a time-limited therapy. It's usually one session a week for 12 weeks, more or less. And uh, the focus of the therapy is on linking how you're feeling with what's going on in your life. So mood and events are connected. That connection turns out to be a really important way to treat depression, anxiety disorders, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress disorders, it doesn't work for everything, but it's, um, it helps with a lot of conditions we most frequently see. When you talk about events, do you just mean interpersonal events or it could be anything, even the New York elections? Oh, well, the elections are, are, um, are events that have a huge impact, yes. Uh, or the COVID-19 pandemic would be another instance of an impersonal event that has huge human social consequences. So everything in our environment affects how we feel to one degree or another. Patients often forget that and blame themselves, but it's important to see that usually if you develop symptoms of depression or anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder, this does not happen in a vacuum. It happens in the context of life's pressures. And as you're suggesting, that could be something uh, environmental or impersonal. And it can also be something very personal, like uh, the way your family or your 
work colleagues or other people are treating you. And that makes a lot of sense to me because I think there's this tendency sometimes to, you know, talk about resiliency and the, the power of positive thinking as if, you know, something's wrong with you if you don't just bounce back from uh, negative life events completely. Well, everyone has a breaking point. Uh, it's easy to say, just think positive, but it's sometimes very hard to do. And so what does IPT look like as a therapy uh, in this context? Well, it's a structured therapy. There's a, a framework to it. It is not nearly so structured as something like cognitive behavioral therapy or a behavioral therapy, which is almost scripted. And it's not as open-ended and loose as something like psychoanalysis. In just about every session, after the first session, the therapist begins the hour by saying, how have things been since we last met? And that's a very simple question, but it has a limited number of answers. People either respond with a mood, like I've been feeling terrible, I've been really depressed, I've been really anxious, or they say, well, something happened. I, I lost my job, the elections happened, my, my sister caught the COVID-19 virus. And what you want to do is to link those two things, to link mood to event. So if the person says, I've been feeling terrible, we ask, I'm sorry, we say, I'm sorry to hear that, but what's happened in the past week that might've made you feel worse? And conversely, if the patient says something happened, we wanna know how did that make you feel? And then what we do is to reconstruct with the person this recent emotionally charged incident and help them understand how they felt going through this and what they can do with those feelings. People don't like to have strong feelings and they particularly don't like to have strong negative feelings like anger or sadness or anxiety. And yet those emotions actually are useful interpersonal signals. They tell you something about what's going on in your life. People get sad when they lose something or someone or they're separated from someone. People get angry when they feel mistreated. People get anxious if they feel uncertainty or threat. And if you recognize that, you can use those emotions to respond to the situation that you're dealing with. So many people who are depressed or anxious are consciously or unconsciously suppressing their feelings. They try not to feel them. And yet those feelings help them understand what's going on in their lives and you can use them in a positive way. That's really what IPT is about. It's like processing our very human reactions to what we're experiencing, even if it's a interpersonal or non-interpersonal event. The, the name interpersonal therapy almost suggested to me that that's all we focus on, you know, just only interpersonal events and improving our interpersonal relationships. But this seems to be a much broader focus than just that. Okay, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I think you're right. So we're going beyond just how things are affecting us. As you said, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, 
the, the elections or I guess a fight with my dad earlier this morning. It's just because like things in our lives have an impact on us and IPT can, can facilitate our emotional processing of those mm-hmm. events and coming to terms with that. And, and then what do we do, you know, if I think, okay, so um, if, if I take for example, and this is a fictional event. So if I had an argument with my dad and I go, you know, that leaves me feeling sad. What would IPT do with that sad feeling? It would help to know a little bit more about the background, like how your relationship was with your dad and how you fought in the past or how, how you generally get along. But in general, what you want to do is to say, well, what's, what's making you sad? And is that a reasonable sadness? Is there a reason to be upset? And if so, what, what options do you have to solve this problem? If you're having a, what we call a role dispute, if you're in a, a struggle with your father, how can you resolve that? How do you want to resolve that? What, what methods can you use to resolve that? And often what that means is bringing up your feelings and saying, you know, I was really sad after we fought because I'd like to have a better relationship. And what we try to do with patients, again, is to reconstruct what's going wrong in your life. How does that make you feel? And then what can you do about it to make it better again? So that's a a good example of an interpersonal conflict that upsets people. And that's often remediable, that you can renegotiate that relationship to make things better again. One of the things that we've learned about interpersonal therapy is it not only helps people get better from these conditions, that is, it relieves symptoms, but it also builds interpersonal skills. It helps people function better with other people because that's really what the therapy focuses on. And it helps to mobilize social support which is a huge protective factor for all of us, for all psychiatric problems, and really for for a whole lot of other problems too, medical conditions, everything is better if you have people you can count on to support you, to listen to you, to encourage you, rather than uh, keeping feelings in and uh, feeling alone. So it's not just dealing with the I guess the issue at hand, but it has that preventive aspect to it, right? Kind of building someone's um, social network and feelings of support so that even outside of therapy, um, even when therapy ends, they remain connected uh, to people around them. Absolutely. And really, IPT was developed as a time-limited treatment that would stop and what you want to do is to help people get out of their depressive episode. That's IPT was originally tested to treat depression. It worked so well for depression, it's been tested for a bunch of other conditions since. But you not only want to help the patient out of the depression, you want them to have the support system they need and the skills they need so that they don't need therapy again. And we even have some evidence lately that IPT may help repair attachment. You mentioned attachment earlier, and that's a very important quality. How close do you get to other people? How much can you trust other people? A lot of that starts in childhood, and people used to think that's it. You know, once once you have a 
a difficult childhood, you're never going to really uh, be able to trust other people. That's not true. And uh, we found that just 12, 14 weeks of interpersonal therapy actually repairs uh, measures of attachment and helps people feel more comfortable around other people. And what struck me about, you know, while you're talking was that IPT is not afraid to go back in history. You know, a lot of time-limited therapies focus on the present. You know, I mean, they do acknowledge the importance of a person's history um, and their past experiences, but, you know, sort of say, okay, well, that's that, that happened then, but really what we want to focus on are your now feelings and your now experiences. But IPT seems to be very comfortable with bringing the past in um, and putting the relationships in context um, that in, does include, you know, past history. And I guess that maybe, I mean, in, in my understanding, the, one of the powerful ways that it could be shaping secure attachment, you know, as you said, it, it starts in childhood. Well, look, I mean, IPT is a, is a brief therapy, so we don't have a lot of time to dig up the past. You do want to, to um, figure out patterns in people's lives and understand where things go right, people's strengths, and where things go wrong, people's, people's vulnerabilities. And so you can bring in the past a little bit, but the, to be fair, the focus of IPT is mostly on what can you do in the present to make things better? So it's by working on current relationships that you can improve attachment. Okay, so we won't go back to maybe like repair a, a past relationship that like I no longer have. It's mainly focusing on the relationships I have right now, maybe putting in a context with my past history. Let's say we were talking about my father. I'll be like, okay, what happened in the past? Looking, understanding patterns of interactions with him but then really focusing on what I can do today. That's right. You know, that, that idea that, it, that the recent studies you were talking about that says it could repair attachment, how, how would that work? If I just focus on the present, because I think there's a, sometimes an understanding that in order for us to have secure attachments, it's almost like we need to focus a lot on, on past experiences, right? So how does mm -hmm. focusing on the present repair what happened last time? It doesn't repair what happened last time, but it, it gives you almost a new track record, a, a, a different way of handling things in the present and future. So you're right that historically, psychodynamic psychotherapy, psychoanalysis really focused on childhood and growing up and the importance of those early years. And they certainly are important, but we don't have the luxury in 12 weeks to really go into depth in what happened in childhood. And it turns out you don't really need to, to help people function better in relationships in the present, which is in the end what counts. So you can't really repair a relationship that's over, but you can fix relationships that are still going on. What's one of the things that you've found that really changes um... The idea that someone could then have more healthier, positive relationships, more meaningful connections in the present, 
Um, in your experience, you know, dealing with clients, what's one thing that changes? Is it the, the way they see the world? Is it a perspective or is it like actual skills and that changes? It's a really good question. And I, th- I don't think there's a simple answer. And I guess the simplest answer is we don't really know. But my guess is something like this. The first thing is that people who are depressed or anxious or otherwise in distress shy away from their strong feelings. They don't like them. If you're depressed, you may feel that anger I feel or that sadness I feel is toxic. It bothers other people. I have to hide it. I have to hide it from myself because it's evidence of what a bad person I am. Really, the first thing we do in any affect-focused therapy, and IPT really is emotionally focused, is to elicit those feelings, get the patient to look at them, and then ask, is that a reasonable feeling? Who wouldn't feel that way sometimes uh, if under these circumstances? And uh, if the person can then acknowledge the feeling and not feel that it's a weakness, but actually informative, then first of all, that relieves a certain internal pressure. They're no longer fighting their own feelings, they're accepting them. So that that certainly doesn't hurt anybody. The next step though, is that if those feelings are valid and meaningful, you can put them to use. And usually that means saying, I have a right to want things. I have a right to not want things. I have a right to feel angry if somebody mistreats me. I have a right to assert some of my wishes and it's, it's okay to be selfish a little bit of the time, uh, not all the time, but sometimes. And if we uh, encourage that kind of thinking and we role play with patients, how, how would you like to say that? How does that sound, what you just said? How do you like the content of what you said? Did you say what you wanted to say? How do you like the content? How do you like the tone of voice you used? And when people are comfortable, we don't assign homework in this treatment, but there are only so many weeks in the treatment. And if we've been preparing people to to do something like this, they go out and do it. And when they do, they often have what we call a success experience. Something goes right, which is not something that depressed and anxious people expect to happen. And uh, other people may say, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was bothering you. Or yes, sure, uh, if you would like to do this, we can try to do this. And as a result, the person not only feels my feelings are okay, but I can put them to use and I can change my environment. I can have a little bit of control over what goes on in my life. So that's those are very powerful changes. And this is what tells most IPT therapists that IPT is working, that Patients first recognize their feelings, acknowledge their feelings, accept their feelings, think about how to express them, and then do express them to change their lives. That's really powerful. I think, you know, many clients have that narrative that the expression of feelings will lead to something negative. But it seems the the message of IPT is tremendously empowering to say no. Um, to the contrary, you know, the expression of feelings and learning how to express them it will actually lead to or can lead to positive changes. And sometimes I'm assuming people 
don't respond the way you want them to. And then it goes back to, okay, recognizing and acknowledging and accepting, you know, when people don't always respond the way you want them to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, one of the huge issues is, can I trust somebody else? Because if you have been through a terrible trauma, it shatters your sense of safety. Everything and everyone feels kind of unsafe around you. And so people hide their feelings, they keep them in, their feelings feel too strong because when you've been through something really bad, you have really strong bad feelings, like you might be really angry, although maybe you should be really angry if something really bad has happened to you. And one of the key moments for patients with post-traumatic stress disorder is that the patient comes up with with a plan often to say, I'd like to do this with you, or please don't do that. I don't like it when you do that. And sometimes this is the first time the other person has heard this and they say, sure, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was bothering you. In which case, maybe that's a person that the patient could trust. And yet, as you say, not everybody is cooperative, not everybody is reasonable. And that's really disappointing if you say, please don't do that. And the other person says, I don't care what you feel. I'm not interested, I will do what I want. If that happens, that's hurtful, that's disappointing. People feel misunderstood and unvalidated, but at least you know, this is someone I cannot trust. So it's a disappointment, but it at least clarifies what the circumstances. And the problem may lie not with the patient then, but with this other person who is in fact untrustworthy. I had a moment of epiphany, which I'm sure isn't very epiphanious, if that's a word to you. But, you know, that secure attachment, you know, we go back to the original model, uh, Ainsworth and Bobby, and secure attachment was with babies and, and mm-hmm. moms. So in that situation, babies are really helpless and it really depends on how moms behave. But as adults, secure attachment isn't just dependent on how the other reacts and responds. It also depends on, to a, a large degree, it seems, on how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. You know, it's, it's, it also requires my um, empowerment to assert my needs, not to feel guilty about it, not to be ashamed about it, to accept that I do have wants and needs that are reasonable and it, it isn't bad, um, and mm-hmm. to negotiate with the other person. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're describing basic principles of this treatment approach, yes. And you, you, you mentioned before that IPT has been adapted to different groups of, um, of people as well as uh, different mental health conditions. Is there a different approach or is it largely the same? You know, whether you have eating disorders or you're depressed or anxious, this is the way we're going to help you. Or is it sort of tailored to, okay, if you have eating disorder, we're going to give you a specialized IPT approach? Uh, there are different adaptations of the same basic approach for different disorders, for different uh, cultures. 
and because you have to adjust any treatment to the circumstances uh, that patients experience. On the other hand, if you are good at doing IPT for depression and you have some familiarity with another disorder or another culture, it's not that hard to adjust. It's really the same treatment. That's a contrast with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is an extremely successful and uh, extremely well-disseminated treatment approach, but which has so spread out that cognitive behavioral therapy for psychosis, for example, is extremely different from cognitive behavioral therapy for depression. And cognitive behavioral therapy for panic is different from both of those. So uh, they're all called CBT, but some of them are much more cognitive. Some of them are much more behavioral. Uh, they have very different uh, approaches and you can be extremely good at one kind of CBT and really incompetent at another. I can speak from my own experience in that. I do CBT also. But uh, interpersonal therapy is really the same basic approach across disorders and across people with an adjustment for personalizing medicine in a way to the needs of the individual. Could you give an, an example of how IPT would be tailored um, for people of different cultures? And I'm saying this really out of my own selfish, <laughs> selfish interest on, on, you know, like how would it work for Asians, let's say, um, versus a, a Westerner? You know, I don't really know enough about Asian cultures, and I, my understanding is they vary widely too. Um, but I can give you an example comparing the US and Africa. If you are in New York and you're in a bad relationship, it is very appropriate in New York City for one partner in a relationship to say to the other, I'm angry at you. And, uh, and they can have a, a verbal discussion about that. In Uganda, where IPT was tested as a treatment for depression uh, in a impoverished HIV endemic area and where it worked extremely well, they had to adapt IPT because you can't do that in a relationship. So it turns out that in Uganda, if a wife is angry at her husband, what she needs to do is to cook him a terrible meal. And if you get a horrible meal like that, you know what it means. It means your spouse is angry at you. And that often leads to change. So it's a cultural distinction. It's a little bit different, but the message is in effect the same. So you have to respect the culture people live in. Every culture is different. Every person in every culture is somewhat different. And what we try to do is to understand the patient's particular context, what the issues are, and then how to uh, deal with that accordingly. So race in the United States, if you're white or black or Hispanic, and if it, religion, which varies enormously, all of these things we have to pay attention to and think about for this individual, how do we approach things? In, in this cultural context, how do we approach things? And I guess that, that allows IPT to be quite client-centered 
um, as well, because, you know, if I'm, I'm dealing with someone of a different culture, it's not like I'm going to tell them, this is how you have to assert yourself. You know, the client gets to decide what's appropriate for them, what feels comfortable for them, but is still asserting their needs, even if it's in, in in a more indirect manner. Yes, and you bring up a good point, which is that IPT really encourages people's autonomy. We don't tell people what to do. I don't think you should ever tell people what to do pretty much, Um, but it's often not gonna work if you do. But if you can encourage people to think about what do they wanna do and how would they accomplish that, then they do it on their own and they get the credit for making the changes in their lives. Well, on that great note, you know, on the idea of empowerment of self um, and acceptance of one's own experience on our experience to help us shape our relationships um, and build a, a supportive network and, and secure attachment with people around us, which I think particularly during this time of great uncertainty, it's really important. Um, thank you so much, John, for, for joining us uh, and sharing your expertise. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to this episode of Being Human. We'll be hosting guests on a regular basis, so be sure to tune in for some more insights on how we can understand ourselves better and learn to live a life on our own terms and one that's meaningful to us. My name is Dr. Chua Sukning, and I look forward to sharing some more valuable insights from the world of mental health with you very soon. Thank you for listening to the Being Human podcast. To find out more about Relate Malaysia's online therapy services, visit us at www.relate.com.my or email us at inquires at relate.com.my. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, remember, we are all more human than we are otherwise. Be kind to yourself and take care.